require the solace of the shadows and the dark of the night. Sunshine is my destroyer. Welcome, one, welcome all to Dark Fringe Radio, your number one spot for the conspiratorial, paranormal, macabre, mysterious, and everything above. And of course, I can't do this podcast without my co-host with me, as every week is with me, my best friend in the world, Jay Colosi. Jay, what's up, brother? Hey, guys. How are we doing? I'm doing good, man. I feel pumped up, energized, ready to go. Talk about this crazy, crazy podcast that we have going on uh, this week. Uh pretty uh crazy topic 5g technology so we're gonna be talking about the uh, dangers of that and uh interviewed a guy by the name of matt landman and uh he's been at the forefront of taking down cellular companies and trying to stop them to implement this 5g technology jay so it's a pretty interesting uh interview so we'll be talking about that and um much more other stuff yep. so uh, we'll do a little uh, quick uh, intro here and uh, talk about the social media. You can follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dark Fringe Radio. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. You can just make sure you follow, share all our stuff. We really do appreciate it. And how to listen to the podcast, you can go directly to our website, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. You can go straight there. And uh, any of those streaming services that you normally listen to, um, you know, any of your music or podcast, uh, we're, we're there. We're available. So... All you got to do is just look up Dark Fringe Radio. So once you do that, make sure you subscribe. You give us a five-star rating and uh, leave us a comment. We really do appreciate when you guys do that. It really helps us out tremendously. So that's it for the intro, Jay. Got that stuff out of the way really quick. You ready to jump in really quick to the mailbag? You ready for the mailbag? I mean, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that guy guy is a tool and he's not. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a he's an acquired taste. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You want to taste what ass tastes like? <laughs> so I guess we're going to be starting hot again uh, this week, uh, Jay. And uh, of course, I want to introduce uh, the mailbag uh, engineer for this point on forward, Mr. Bradley Warrington the third. And uh, Mr. Bradley, uh, how are you this week? And uh, welcome uh, to Dark Fringe Radio again this week. Welcome to Dark Fringe Radio's weekly mailbag with your host, Bradley Warrington III. Yes, so uh, thanks for coming on. And, um, yeah, you know, Jay had some pretty testy words for you um, at the beginning. And, um, you know, I can understand why. You've been kind of rude to him as of late. So uh, just, you know, kind of be nice if you can this week. I really do appreciate it, okay? I do appreciate it, if you could do that. I mean, could you do that? You think you could do that for Jay and I? Jay, do you think you could do that? I would suppose so. Uh, uh, he seems pretty. Well, he seems pretty docile uh, this week. Pleasantly surprised. Uh, maybe. Let's see. Are you assholes ready for the mailbag? <laughs> there, there he is. I was waiting for. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, there he is. Yeah, right. yeah uh, let's kick this thing. Let's do it. Our first mailbag question comes from Greg Alexander from Columbia, South Carolina. Subject: Remains of unidentified creature. Hello, Will and Jay. I wanted to let you know about a crazy story near an area by where I live. They found the remains of an unidentified creature near an island area called Monkey Island. 
It's a place where only rhesus monkeys populate the area. Scientists from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases previously conducted experiments on these former laboratory monkeys. This territory is officially closed to the public and there is a federal ban, for the violation of which would result in a huge fine. Therefore none of the locals swim in that area and no one knows what is happening on the island now. But this week the attention turned to a beach not far from that location where a local resident accidentally discovered a skeleton of a very unusual creature. A woman walking her dog along that beach came upon a strange creature's remains that had been washed ashore. She said that it was the size of a small dog but the structure of the whole thing suggests it's definitely not a dog. Anyways hope you guys look into this and I thought it would be something you guys are into. It's pretty interesting that you hear about these um, these things that pop up in your, you know, laboratories, you know, where they were testing animals, and you always hear of maybe things that have escaped. You, you've always heard of these stories, right? Yeah, I mean, every area has uh, some kind of urban legend or something that, that, you know, seems unnatural and out of place. So I guess everything is really possible. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it, it could be completely possible. The, those rhesus monkeys obviously are kept on this island because obviously if they're kept on an island they don't they can't swim I don't know if you knew that or not Jay but monkeys can't swim but because they're better than Kit Kat monkeys <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they have the they have no dense I guess they're so dense they just fucking sink to the bottom but nonetheless um, yeah I mean I've heard of stories like this in other places so yeah I've always heard of these kind of stories not from there but even in Florida I mean. I mean, you remember that time, Jay, when Hurricane Andrew came down here and hit in 91, I think it was. And then after that, all those, uh, you know, animals escaped from the zoo. And, you know, people were finding all kinds of crazy animals in their backyard. There was like lions let loose and all kinds of crazy shit. So, I mean, if something like that could happen in a zoo, why couldn't a creature escape from a laboratory, right? No. Totally possible. Yeah. So, listen, thanks for sending that in. We it's, do... definitely, it's definitely begs some looking into. Yeah, well, I want to look into that because I really want to see what this thing looks like. So, uh, thanks for sending that in. We really do appreciate it. We'll go ahead for the uh, second question, Bradley, if you would. Our next mailbag question comes from Jack UC from Waterstone, Connecticut. Subject, Fairy Village. Hi guys, my name is Yusif from Connecticut, and I wanted to tell you about a creepy place that I refuse to go to that is about 30 minutes from my house. Little People's Village is located in Middlebury, and it might be a bit difficult to find. On Google Maps you'll be looking for Umberfield Road. The road itself is quiet and innocent, plus there aren't any signs posted so you're free to visit. At the end of the road where it transitions from street to woods, you take a short hike straight to the village. The village is filled with small miniature houses but they weren't built for dolls. Tucked into the woods this place was built to house demons. Legend has it that a couple from Middlebury lived alone not too far from this site, when the wife began to see what she believed to be fairies. So she demanded her husband to build them houses in the woods. It was clear to the husband that the small folk had evil intentions. The man began to hear the voices of the little people, who demanded he build more and more homes for them. As they gathered, negative energy increased, eventually driving the man to kill himself. Over the years people have come to that area in an attempt to contact the other side. Other come to sit on the throne, thought to be built for the king of the little people. 
Legend also has it that if you sit in that throne you will die seven years later. Whatever you believe to me this place is definitely haunted. Hmm, that's interesting. So there's a village, Jay, that, uh, and it was interesting because when I got this email, um, I looked into it. And so there's this village that's like tucked away out in the middle of nowhere, right? And there's a bunch right. of fucking like small miniature houses that are just out in the middle of the woods. Like all, like a whole city of them. And obviously, the, you know, the houses are weathered. They look like they've been sitting out there for years and years and years. But all these houses are just sitting out there like a village out in the middle of nowhere. And I guess that that's what the, the legend is with this guy supposedly building this this city to house these fairies for his wife. What, what do you think about that? Listen, my people, we like to be off these masks. <laughs> little people. The little people, the little folk. Why, why is it a big deal? Oh, listen. Uh, no, it sounds scary. It's not scary shit. It sounds very terrifying. I want no business with any any of it. Um, I'm good, thanks. I. Okay. Come on, you don't want to take a trick up to that woods? Come on, go check out that village. Uh, uh, no. Be amongst your people? No? No. Uh, so <laughs> I, I got away. I got away for real. I, I got a little oh. outline on my body like Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I roll. You know, it's interesting how, um, you know, you, you find legends like this in, in certain areas, you know. You, you, you find out that a certain person built this for a certain reason or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it, it's always interesting to, to hear these legends that come out of, you know, small towns and, and small areas that, you know, even in our town, Jay, you know, we, we have legends and stuff like that, too. But, you know, this is pretty, pretty crazy. I mean, this this village is pretty nuts. I mean, once you take a picture, look at these pictures, Jay, just unbelievable. It's just like the guy, you can obviously tell that he took a lot of time, a lot of effort into it because it was just very very elaborate so uh, nonetheless thanks for sending that in uh, we really do appreciate it and uh, we do thank you bradley uh, <clears throat> for uh helping us out with the mailbag uh so uh, <laughs> what was that jay <laughs> nothing we thank him for nothing fuck off you simple bastard oh <laughs> wow <clears throat> that's pretty that's pretty harsh bradley i mean come on how about you do me and everyone else a favor and go light yourself on fire? Uh, okay, all right, that's enough, buddy. All right, listen, I think you should just wrap it up for this week. Gentlemen, that concludes this week's mail. Thank you for listening to the only segment of the highest form of talent on this entire show. I am again Mr. Bradley Warrington III, and I bid you adieu. Yeah, there he goes. Well, there he goes, Jay. Bradley Warrington III at your service there. So... <laughs> Which brings us to our next segment, Jay. And are you ready for What the F Florida Man? Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Florida Man. A Florida Man. A Florida Man. A Florida Man. Now to the town of Sefner, Florida, near Tampa, where last night the earth opened up as it does increasingly. And this time it swallowed a 37-year-old man as he slept in his home. A man accused of destroying a liquor store in Okaloosa County told police he was in Alice in Wonderland. Matthew Horace Jones also said a caterpillar smoking a hookah told him to do it. A man calls 911 while Collier County Sheriff's deputies are chasing him and he says 
Donald Trump, our president, is his personal friend, a close one at that. A Lake Worth man is uh, not too happy. He's accused of getting violent when waiters at a restaurant told him they weren't giving away free pizza. Covering Florida this morning, a Key West man is behind bars. Investigators say he was caught with a large amount of cocaine hidden in this Cookie Monster doll. All the shit, man. There you go. What the F Florida man, Jay? And what do you have this week for what the F Florida man? Uh, this might be the end all be all. Uh, this, this might, I might not ever be able to outdo this. <laughs> Let's hear this one. Florida man who allegedly threatened family with Coldplay lyrics. You know how I know you're gay? Yeah. You like Coldplay. <laughs> what? And standoff. Wait, there's more. And standoff. After SWAT promises him pizza. Really? That's all he wanted at the end of the day? Yeah, that was it. That was the end-all be-all, just to call this whole thing off. Was a fucking pipe and hot pizza. He was threatening his family with Coldplay lyrics. I guess that could be uh, torturous at times, right? I mean, I'm not a ginormous fan of Coldplay. I don't, I don't hate them. Uh, I could see where uh, they're obnoxious. But yeah. yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day, at the, at the end of the day, too, I mean, if you sync anything constantly, I guess it would be annoying eventually, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's an interesting story. I, I do love me some pizza, though, so I tell you, if I ever get into a standoff, uh, SWAT team, if, I, if that's we what's ever get into a standoff, off. yeah, just offer me some Little Caesars. That's the diffuser? Caesars. <laughs> just that's the diffuser, Little Caesars pizza, huh? Or their Italian cheese bread all shut up. Oh, yeah. up. That's some good shit right there. The that best. marinara sauce that they get on the side. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's good shit. But uh, yeah, that's a crazy ass story, man. So uh, threatened the whole family with Coldplay lyrics, constantly just threatening them, berating them with it. And uh, yeah, the standoff concluded with a hot pizza. So. Listen, Jay, uh, only in Florida again. Thank you for sharing this week for What the F Florida Man. And uh, that's going to bring us to our main topic for tonight, which is going to be the 5G technology. Our interview with Mr. Matt Landman. Uh, he is the head of SparrowProtectionClothing.com. Also, FrankenSkiesTheMovie.com. Now, that's FrankenSkies, just like how you sound. Skies, like S-K-I-E-S. Uh, FrankenSkiesTheMovie.com. Also, ActualActivist.com. So uh, make sure you follow all those uh, areas there. Uh, Sparrow Clothing, we're going to be talking about that. That's uh, actually a clothing line, Jay, that he came up with to help block uh, against a lot of this, uh, you know, 5G and 4G technology and these waves and stuff like that. So it's actually clothing that helps you protect uh, your kids and stuff like that, shirts and pants and all that stuff. So it's really cool stuff. And uh, we're going to be talking to our guest again, like I said, Mr. Matt Landman here in a minute. So please stick around. Hello, I'm Douglas Sardano, author of American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups, and you're listening to Dark Fringe Radio. You ever look at those planes up there? They have contrails behind them. Maybe all those planes are the contrails. Maybe they're actually spraying chemicals into the atmosphere right now, and Uncle Sam isn't telling us. It seems extremely unlikely. The that fact the United the States is not telling something to its citizens? That seems extremely likely to me. There's a rumor, I don't know if this is true or not, that some scientists are trying to figure out a way to block the sun to try to, to slow yeah. down global warming. 
Yeah, it's a measure of uh, the feeling of desperation that some of them feel. Are they really thinking they could do that? Well, some of them are seriously proposing. You could actually spray sulfuric acid in the stratosphere, 20 kilometers over our head, and use that to stop the planet warming up in a kind Wait, of ugly you, you, tech fix. You could you could spray something into the atmosphere to yes. change. Okay, spray okay. Spray pollution into the atmosphere to stop it warming. Is there any possible way this could come back to bite us in the ass? Technology's potential to alter weather patterns and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. A wild accusation from Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. He says Western countries are causing drought in certain parts of the world, including Iran. He says they're using high-tech equipment to drain raindrops from clouds. Yes, that is what he said. He basically says European countries are stealing rain from Iran for their own use. 20 years ago, I, I wasn't noticing these patterns in the sky, and they certainly weren't there at all when I was going through school or in the Boy Scouts getting the weather merit badge. I didn't notice these patterns. Geoengineers propose spraying tens of millions of tons of reflective particles into the atmosphere in an attempt to reflect sunlight back into space and thereby reduce global warming. The first time that I started noticing the trails, I, gosh, I want to say it was like 2013 or 2012. Then, then I started seeing things in the sky that was not supposed to be there. What caused those things was the planes that was flying over and they were polluting the sky. March 14, 2014, in Eureka, California, I was driving in the vehicle with my two kids and we were watching this chemtrail for, I don't know, maybe like five minutes it had been going. I noticed that there was this large flash that lit up the entire sky, similar to what lightning would do. It's like, this is the sun, right? And so we're driving towards the sunset and all of a sudden it was like the drone was coming this way and it came over and about there, that's when we saw the light and then it went straight down from that angle. And when you disrupt that, when you when you keep putting these 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 clouds in that in that in between the earth and the, and, and the moon, you're going to disrupt the whole world. You're going to disrupt man. You're going to disrupt all these animals. That's why it's not it's not good to change the weather. Good evening. Two people are confirmed dead following an unprecedented outbreak of thunderstorm asthma. Thousands affected during an outbreak of thunderstorm asthma last night. It's just like um, being strangled slowly to death. But when a geoengineering program is causing millions of prematures death a year, you must do more than pass the buck back and forth between other three-letter agencies. Do your job. History will judge you on your actions or inaction. But as I became more aware of, of technologies, uh, the potentials to manipulate the weather, um, I looked at the at these clouds, at these patterns with different eyes, with a different understanding. And what I've learned is that these chemtrails help the technology align these patterns, align these vibrational structures, which direct our weather today. The people need to quit using the chemicals. 
put using the chemicals in the sky. What are you gonna, when you wake up in the morning time, what are you gonna wake up one morning and you can't breathe, then what are you gonna do? If we don't have clean air, then you know, we're just gonna die. everyone uh, thanks for joining in at dark fringe radio tonight our guest is a filmmaker and activist and he is the creator of frankenskies 2 a sequel to the groundbreaking documentary which exposed the ongoing tropospheric aerosol injection geoengineering and weather modification programs in our skies uh, he's also appeared on over a hundred of shows uh, radio shows podcasts and independent media broadcasts and various publications in 2018 he led the third global summit to stop geoengineering in tucson arizona uh, resulting in the subsequent cancellation of the Scopex sky dimming experiment, which we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. He also went on and battled against Verizon representatives in the cities of Danville and Lakespar, uh, California, or Lakespur, California, I should say, to help the citizens fight the rollout of the dangerous 5G data network in their communities, uh, which is obviously going to be a point we'll be talking about tonight. He's also uh, now the leading uh, the movement to provide a way to protect ourselves from harmful uh, electromagnetic frequencies uh, with his new project emf shielded sparrow clothing and he represents an unprecedented and view-changing information directly from the official documentation and accepted scientific research uh, in the community please welcome to dark fringe radio mr matt landman matt thanks for joining us uh, here tonight and dark fringe radio it's a pleasure thank you so much for having me on awesome awesome so it's sparrow clothing that's uh i wanted to make sure i got that right um because i kind of butchered that at the beginning but sparrow protection clothing correct yeah, it's spelled Spiro. It's a Latin word, yes. so it's easily uh, confused. It's S-P-E-R-O, and, and uh, the website sparrowapparel.com or sparrowprotectionclothing.com as well. But yeah, it's Sparrow Protection Clothing. It's a Latin word and Italian and Spanish, and it translates to hope, the word hope. That's awesome, awesome. So let's uh, we're going to talk about why you obviously came up with this uh, clothing company, and uh, it's, it's a, uh, an important thing to you. And let me get a little background on you, Matt. I mean, where, where did you start to have this whole interest in the, um, first off, it was the, of course, cloud seeding and aerosol injection and and and, and, and uh, chemtrails with the Frankenskies and now the 5G thing. What, what got you into all this? Well, that's a great question. Um, I try to tell people uh, my story, which is I'm a normal guy. You know, a lot of people get kind of intimidated by activism and they don't want to stand out amongst their peers and they're, they fear peer ridicule. And sometimes when you step up and start to make a voice, your peers are actually in agreement with you and you never realize that they would be. Um, not so much in my, in my case with five, uh, sorry, with chemtrails. Uh, 5G is a little bit more, 5G, there's, it's easier because, you know, do you want a cell tower on your doorstep? Yes or no. You know, because it's coming to your neighborhood and it's not like, trying to become a meteorologist and identify cloud patterns and trusting me over Wikipedia and the disinformation out there and all that stuff. But either way, I, I grew up in Virginia. I moved to California to go to film school. After I went to Virginia Tech, got a bachelor's in science and uh, marketing management, got a business degree. Mm -hmm. And then I worked all these different jobs in business and in restaurant industries and real estate and 
banking and all. I mean, Wall Street kind of. I mean, it's been it's been a wild ride. I counted the other day on a Greyhound bus. I've had over forty jobs. Wow. But I ended up getting a master's degree in uh, in business in Northern California uh, at Cal State Humboldt. It's uh, amongst the redwoods in rural Northern California. Beautiful, beautiful region. Uh, very rural. And after getting my MBA and a film degree uh, while I was there, basically a film minor, I got out and I got a job in finance. And I was a finance analyst. And nothing had changed. I was still in a cubicle or an office. You know, I just right. had a better degree. You know, I was getting paid a little bit more. So after a while, my soul was sucked dry. And I had this opportunity to work on an organic farm. And where I lived... And where I worked, you can hear the waves crashing on the ocean. And it's pretty much just cows and redwoods and, and gorgeous scenery and ocean. And I witnessed weather modification. We were in the midst of a catastrophic drought in Northern California. The drought had been going on for about five years. Mm-hmm. And even organic farmer, you know, we're connected to the elements. Right. And never had I before been so connected to the grounded to the earth and connected to the sky and all this. I thought I knew everything. You know, and my first day on the farm, I learned that potatoes grew potatoes, and I started to realize I don't know anything, and I've just been <laughs> gone through an indoctrination pro- process right. to basically spoon feed me, you know, information that I don't need. Right. You know what I mean? Like we, we should all know about farming, anatomy, all these simple things. So either way, I witnessed this storm pattern coming in, and it was mid October, and we had a pumpkin farm and. I grew, I grew all sorts of stuff on this organic farm, 12 varieties of squash, 12 varieties of potatoes, um, and we had a pumpkin patch and a corn maze, you name it. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience, an amazing learning experience for me to really get in shape and to get connected to the elements, like I said. Mm-hmm. And when this large storm pattern was coming in mid-October, to basically rot our pumpkins and destroy our crops, we were really worried because there's a 100% chance of rain for a week, and the Doppler radar showed this massive storm system coming in, big black clouds coming in off the ocean. It was going to rain. Right. And all of a sudden, whereas I live in this very rural area, you know, the sparse air traffic is really what was important for me because if you live next to LAX or something, you live next to some major airport, you're not going to really pick up on those days where there's no air traffic, and then there's days where there is all of a sudden mm-hmm. these planes showing up and gridding the sky with these lines. And that's what I witnessed. I witnessed about 20 planes showing up on the edge of the storm system, leaving these persistent, linear, cirrus cloud lines, these, these mm-hmm. line formations in the sky. And I kind of scratched my head and moved on with my life and, and was excited that I wasn't getting drenched out there. I was wearing my raincoat, rain boots, harvesting pumpkins, making sure we didn't completely lose everything. And none of the rain fell out of these clouds. Wow. Well, that memory, that memory basically got stored and shelved you know, in my brain. And a couple months later, I was talking to a friend on the phone on the East Coast. We're talking about 9-11 and the youth nowadays and how, you know, people aren't really willing to accept truth. And mm-hmm. And I said, well, well, how can they really get tuned into the 9-11 thing, these kids nowadays? Like, if you're 18, you weren't even born when that happened. Right. So for somebody to say that it's a total massive conspiracy, a lot of people say to me, yeah, I've heard both sides, but I don't know what to think and why should I think about it? But in this instance, my friend mentioned the word, and this is so important to listeners, your voice is your weapon, and just a little nudge, a little seed planting can go such a long way with the truth because the truth really represents itself. All you have to do is give it a little push. 
right. So my friend said, yeah, 9-11, whatever, but chemtrails are right in everyone's face, and, and no one knows about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's that? And he said, Matt, you don't know about that. You put me on to 9-11 and this and that. So I went home and Googled it. You know, I just looked up the word, and all of a sudden, you know, my life changed forever. I realized that, well, what I witnessed was weather modification, weather engineering, and then I started looking up, brother. Well, I started looking up, and that mm-hmm. was the beginning of the end That's for right. me. I started asking questions and watching documentaries online and looking up all the different activists. And what I information and a lot of misleading, and, and the truth really wasn't being represented the way that I would hope for, really. It was shouted, and nobody had made a good enough movie, in my opinion. So eventually... It took me a couple of years, really, but around 2015, around the beginning of 2015, I said, screw it, I'm going to devote my life to this thing. Right. My peers, my family, my friends, nobody knew about chemtrails, <laughs> geoengineering, whatever. Chemtrails is not like a dirty word, but geoengineering is exactly that, and it's oh, yeah. the savior to global warming. So whatever word you want to use, stratospheric aerosol injection, stratospheric engineering, weather engineering, climate engineering, Stratospheric aerosol injections, stratospheric aerosol injections, there's so many different things. Solar radiation management. It's all the same Either way, thing. once I learned about the chemtrails fully, I decided to devote my entire life to it every single day. And I just started plugging along, and I made that film, Franken's Guys, and I hosted these conferences. And at first, you know, I was demonized, and I lost friends. And I just kept going. I kept posting on social media and doing what I could. And now I've got almost 50,000 followers on, on Facebook. I've been on Coast to Coast two times with 2 million live listeners, live, 2 million people listening to me. And I've That's launched awesome. this EMF clothing line. I'm hosting more conferences. I'm working on Frank's Guys 2, Climate Change. Not Climate Change, but Climate Change, <laughs> uh, like Shackles, yeah. C-H-A-N-S, because yeah. of this Hegelian dialectic problem reaction solution that kind of corners us into accepting geoengineering when it is actually the problem. It is the creation of the heating of the planet, mm-hmm. of the weather events, it's all being geoengineered. And there's so much, I'm just rambling now, but literally there's so much that can come to light, especially in this world of fires in Australia and fires in Northern California. The fires are engineered, and the drought is engineered, and we can make rain. We have been able to since the 20s. If you watch the documentary Franken Skies that I made two years ago in 2017, or now it's a couple years, a few years ago, Mm -hmm. Um, Frankenskiesthemovie.com, you can watch it for free or find it on YouTube. It's all over the place. That documentary starts in 1920, and it goes through the chronological timeline of weather modification history and geoengineering, and really, at the end, you cannot say that we cannot make it rain. We can, and we don't, on forest fires, when we should. And that, in and of itself, should be this big eye-opener for people when the truth becomes so self-evident that you can't deny it. No, and you're absolutely right. I think you can't deny it, and I'm I'm very happy and I'm pleased that somebody like yourself had the balls and the wherewithal to continue to go on this path to exposing the truth about weather modification, chemtrails, 5G technology, all the above. These are things that are affecting, you know, we talk about conspiracy theories all the time. You know, in our podcast, we're highly into that. And we talk about, uh, you know, false flags and things of that nature and, uh, you know, Illuminati, all, all things across the whole gamut of, of, of conspiracy theories. But when you talk about things that 
involve your everyday living that affect your everyday living, like what we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, chemtrails and, and, and 5G technology, this is important. This is stuff that affects us every day, all the, all the time. So um, I'm very happy to see that someone like you has uh, come out there and let themselves be exposed. Because at the same time, there is a, a part of you that you have to sacrifice. You, you are being exposed to, you know, ridicule, of course, like what you said, you know, amongst your peers and other people. But again, you are spearheading this and and i applaud you for doing that so let's talk about some of the work that you've done concerning it let's talk about frank and skies the first one that you that you did back in 2017 what a great documentary i watched it um when your publicist sent it over to me i mean great stuff i mean just wonderful right on point and then i was basically informed that you're coming out with a sequel to this so tell us a little bit about that if you can so frank and skies the first one it goes through from Starts in 1920 and goes to 2017 when the movie was created in right. June 2017. Well, so much has happened just since then. One of them being the normalization propaganda machine has launched chemtrails as our savior in the public eye. Like literally, USA Today, Washington Post, every major media conglomerate has come. Chris is going to be spending all this money to dim your sun. You're welcome it may save us, you know, and no questions are being asked, and they show a picture of a plane spraying chemtrails, but don't use the word chemtrails, or they'll call you a crazy conspiracy theorist, but they're going to spray aluminum in the sky, just like what we've been finding in rainwater analysis, and they say that it's going to work to deflect some sunlight back. Well, I'll tell you what, aluminum is toxic, and it disrupts plants' ability to uptake water, it's a, it causes fire hazards in trees, the aluminum oxide that's been sprayed on our forests is a patent fire accelerant, and it can also... So how could we actually buy this propaganda yeah. to convince us that this conspiracy theory is now a reality? And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just daunting and unreal. So the movie has to convey this notion, talk about the fires, talk about the, the geoengineering agenda and how fabricated and full of falsehoods it is, and really bring to light this normalization campaign I, I mean, I want to say before it's too late, but we're we're pretty much, I, I hate to say it, but we're, we're entering into this new era where really we need to bring the truth to the public eye. Mm. And it's up to us when we know truth, we have to bring it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it may be lost. Yeah. And, I mean, people say it's really a hard thing. It's such a big, like when, when confronted with such a conspiracy so massive, People want to just bury their head in the sand, you know, especially with the propaganda machine lying so much and convincing people otherwise. So it's just so important to convey the message, and the film is the best way that I could find to do so. Franken's Guy is the first one, has been seen by roughly 3 million people worldwide. I just had a screening. I, didn't, I wasn't there, and it's amazing. A lot of people are picking up the ball and just having screenings on their own, and I'm I encourage it. Anywhere anyone wants to screen Frank and Skies, I'll send you a DVD and I'll try to come. Anybody wants flyers for the film? I've got amazing flyers and amazing artwork, and I send out thousands of them. I've probably sent out like 100,000 flyers for free, but I'm really encouraged to activate people with the truth and activate potential actual activists out there because the truth can really set you free, and it's really inspiring to have that flyer in your hand. It's, it's so powerful. Because you can approach a vendor at a farmer's market and drop this truth on them and have this amazing encounter and make some friends by connecting because your your vibe attracts your tribe. Yes, that's right. So 
there was a screening in Tamworth, Australia. There was a screening in Missouri recently. Um, there's a screening coming up in Brook Brookings, Oregon. I'm setting one up in Chicago. But it seems like, you know, you come out with a movie in 2017 and it has its little surge of interest and then it should fizzle away. Frankenstein is being watched right now mm -hmm. by someone. And it's being translated. I actually, I, I got it translated in Spanish and I got it subtitled. It's being worked on right now. Soon it'll come out in Spanish as well. So it's building its momentum even two and a half years later. So I'm really excited to have that come more into the public. If you just look up the word Frankenstein, which I essentially created that word, it's it's a big word on mm -hmm. on the sure internet is, now. <laughs> you know, it's come into the consciousness. It's a hashtag. And it's, what's that? It's a hashtag now. Yeah, it's real. It's real, yeah. and I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of having brought that into the world, and in just a short amount of time. I mean, I want people to see, like, I didn't come from money. I didn't come from anything. All I have is my heart and my voice, you know? But my heart really pushes me because I don't want children coming into this world being fed lies without that spark of truth, that flame of truth still existing, you know? So the film, is, the next film will be, like Frankenstein's, an opportunity to convey the message in the best way I know possible, you know, these DVDs get into people's living rooms and they're like this, this hope, right? When people are such surrounded by, by falsehood, this film can literally be... Have you seen the film, the movie Cloud Atlas by Chance or read the book? Which one is it again? Cloud Atlas. No, I have not seen that one. So in Cloud Atlas, it's a dystopian future. There's a lot of timeline going on. It's, it's, an, it's an amazing, intricate movie, but mm -hmm. part of it one of the storylines is this dystopian future where it's just like a thousand years from now and everyone's totally, you know, in these mega cities and mind controlled and stuff. Mm -hmm. And this spiritual awakening starts to happen in these Korean robots where they're just supposed to be waitresses, but they find this little glimmer of truth. They find this little video that shows them the outside world, shows them the truth, and they start to have this awakening of consciousness in a cyborg, in a literal non-human being. But I kind of see these flyers in the movie. It's just that I'm dropping these little truth bombs all over the yeah. world, yeah. and it's just sitting in someone's living room, and eventually someone can pick it up and open up that DVD case and pop it in and change their life forever because it's a perspective shift, it's a consciousness shift, and once we hit that 100th monkey, it's on. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, in, it's interesting that you, you said, you know, you talked about your experience about witnessing those planes um, basically, you know, going crisscross, you know, across the sky on that Stormfront and basically stopping it from coming on. I mean, we were talking about we talked we chatted a little bit before uh, we got on the air. You're currently in Florida. I'm in Florida. I'm where I'm based. Have you seen any of the patterns of how these hurricanes just move out of the way of Florida? I know they talk about the Gulf Stream and how that affects it, and I think that's a crock of shit, um, just to be honest. But how these hurricanes get so close to the state of Florida and just seem just to turn straight north. And it's happened on more than one occasion. Uh, this has happened on various occasions. Have you seen anything? You know, have you, you know, correlated what you're talking about to that? Definitely. And once you start to have an eye on the Doppler radar system and the NEXRAD system and these right. ionospheric heaters, this HARP technology, these, um, this, there was an antenna array in Alaska about the size of a football field with these massive antennas that would direct energy in the atmosphere and superheat the atmosphere and steer storms by creating high-pressure systems. When you spray chemtrails and then you can superheat the metallics and create high pressure, you can do anything with storms. 
So I was just in Treasure Island, Florida the other day, and someone was telling me that a hurricane had never hit there before. And I start to see these Illuminati, like, kind of murals all over the place, <laughs> like literal <laughs> Illuminati, like, murals, yeah. like symbology all yeah. over St. Pete and Treasure Island. Yeah. And this woman says to me, well, we've never been hit by a hurricane because um, it's sacred land. It's like an Indian um, burial ground. Sure. And that the land is protected spiritually, right? Well, they only knew, you know, there's probably elitists living mm-hmm. in certain parts mm-hmm. that they just say, no, don't don't attack us. We're the ones making these storms. Right. And yes, I have witnessed it, and it seems to be self-evident. I'd like to know exactly where all these scumbags live because... I wouldn't mind living in those postal clothes just the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, you're right. I it is it's so apparent. And um are that field that you were talking about, Alaska, is that harp? Was that harp you're talking about? Yeah, it was harp, the highly active auroral research program. Right. And then that tech that technology was actually shrank into these big golf ball looking things that are called Nexrad. Okay. And they're actually mobile stations and they show up with every hurricane. And they do what, what I said before. They they direct detecting radio waves. Actually, it's Tesla technology, mm. but they can intersect radio waves in the atmosphere, cause heating with frequency. You can literally see the sky ripple out when they turn the devices on. Really? And these devi- these ionospheric heaters, these ionospheric heaters. Yes, they're all over. There's 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 dozens and dozens of them stationed all over the world, and they're mobile on mobile platforms. And so, yeah, they'll come and steer storms and and do what they will, you know. So it's a mini heart, basically, on wheels. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, uh, and I think this is so important, too, because we get into some uncertain times here in America um, when it comes to, you know, going to war with other countries. And, um, you know, just recently we've had that issue in Iran, and we thought we were going to go to war and all that stuff. A thing that I, I always thought, to myself is, you know what? What if wars were won and lost by weather modification? Do you subscribe to any of that? Well, in the film, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, after after Vietnam, in the sixties, after Vietnam, the entire world, every country, saw that the United States had weaponized weather. Operation Popeye. It's documented in my film Franken's Guys, but Operation Popeye. Uh, seeded clouds and created downpour and extended the monsoon season and flooded the Ho Chi Minh Trail as a tactical um, war uh, tactic, right? So weaponized weather. And the UN came together and every country voted saying that weather could not be used as a weapon of war. I mean, imagine if every country started using weather as a weapon. But in the film... Um, the president of Iran, Ahmadinejad, he comes out and he says, look, the U.S. is using weather war weaponry on us. The, um, even harp can even cause earthquakes mm-hmm. because when you can control frequency to that degree, you can cause earthquakes, you can cause drought, you can cause storms, hurricanes. There's a weaponized hurricane that hit South Carolina about four or five years back. Um, I believe it was Hurricane Joaquin. I do a lot of presentations on this specific mm-hmm. thing. Um, I included it in most of my presentations, mm-hmm. where the first time ever a directionalized arm came off of this hurricane and created a thousand-year flood in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It was called a, um, 
atmospheric river fire hose. I'm so glad I remembered that. I usually <laughs> play all that word. So this atmospheric river fire hose comes off of this um, hurricane, uh-huh. and the hurricane kind of, kind of fizzles. But this arm, this like this atmospheric river fire hose <laughs> coming out of the, the atmosphere, just shoots, just pummels this water on South Carolina. A thousand year flood. It's it's wow. unreal. And once you know about weather modification and weaponized hurricanes, you can see that the military or the U.S. industrial complex or whoever runs our shadow government, they're testing their weapons on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be them or the, you know, uh, Universal Foreign Affairs or Council of Foreign Affairs or whoever that, you know, may be uh, pulling the strings of all yeah. that stuff. But yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, again, it it, it goes on so far. It's we're, now we're using it as weapons of war, you know, weather modification. It's just crazy. And, uh, you know, again, it's right in front of our face. I suggest anybody to go watch Frank and Skies, the movie. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. Uh, you can go on Frank and Skies, the movie.com. Watch it right from there. Uh, there's a couple great trailers there to watch. I mean, I, I totally push everybody that's listening to this podcast to go watch this. I mean, it's very important. This is stuff that affects you every day. This is stuff that once you walk outside your door, you are being exposed to a hundred percent. So there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, let me switch gears here for a minute here. Um, if I could, Matt, uh, and let's talk about 5g technology. This is something that is a very polarizing subject right now because, um, of course, we live in an age of technology where everybody is glued, if not glued, um, obsessed with their smartphone uh, or some type of technology that they're carrying with them constantly, whether it be their laptop, whatever the case may be. But mostly it's their smartphone. And we're always looking for the next best, better thing, the faster thing, the best thing, the, the, more, the high optimization. You know, what, how can we improve this? Now, you know, now they're talking about 5G technology. You hear about a lot of these, you know, cell phone companies, you know, of course, are the the biggest proponents of this uh, because they need to put these towers in these, obviously, these neighborhoods and stuff like that. And you were in Danville or was it Danville, California, basically trying to fight against Verizon for putting 5G uh, towers in that that city. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah, it started in Arizona because I was down in Arizona um, for the debut of chemtrails is what it really was. This mm-hmm. experiment by David Keefe to show the world that we could dim the sky with aluminum was supposed to happen in Tucson. You referenced it, uh, the Scopex, S-C-O-P-E-X experiment, mm-hmm. uh, stratospheric controlled perturbation, perturbation experiment, they call it. So I moved to Arizona to host this conference to go up against that, and I had this conference and protest and concert and we made some waves in Tucson to the degree that I believe they canceled the experiment because of our actions. But either way, I was down there, and Arizona's a 5G rollout state. Mm. So I'm living in Sedona, Arizona, a very small town. And the front page read that the small town with two cell towers was going to get 27 massive towers, new cell towers, and then hundreds, if not thousands, of small cell towers throughout the neighborhood. And I went to City Hall, and I and that was my first time. So it started in Arizona. And then I moved to Oregon, and I kept going. And then I moved to California, and I kept going. And now I'm bouncing around all over the place. I've spoke at about a dozen city halls, um, one of them being Larkspur, California, and one of them being Danville, yes. Also uh, Marin County Board of Supervisors, and just re- recently Arteta, California. But the 
Yes, and, and yes, that happened in Danville. The Danville thing was quite interesting. The mayor was all about um, creating a conflict so that basically putting in zoning ordinances and whatnot to prevent these small cells from coming into neighborhoods because they are dangerous. But the, the federal level is saying that we can't discuss human safety impacts or anything like that. All That's we can ridiculous. discuss is aesthetics, the way that the towers look. These right. things that are going to be 20 feet outside our bedroom window, we're not allowed to talk about if they affect us. Right, yeah. yeah. Aesthetically, so we can talk about the aesthetics in of it, Danville, of course. we were slapped with a lawsuit from Verizon. Mm. Uh, so essentially, the, the city got sued, and the mayor immediately backed down. But I went, and I gave my best three minutes ever. They gave us three minutes. They put a clock... And we have three minutes to fight for our lives, mm-hmm. and then the clock goes off, and then they say you're done. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's, it's kind of an atrocity in and of itself. You know, we've got these local representatives that, you know, they didn't get into office thinking they were going to have to do anything. Really, this is a major, this is a major issue that's going to essentially sterilize their future community. Mm-hmm. But they don't know anything. They're not educated on these topics. They're not radio frequency radiation experts or electrical engineers, you know. So that's what I end up saying. I say, I'm sorry, but you're not qualified to make these decisions. I think that the town or the city or the county should get a panel of people together that are qualified to, to analyze this research and talk about all this. There's so many different things. There's the terpene levels in plants get all abnormal and tweaked out and mutated and basically EMF fields from 5G cause fire dangers. Mm. Literally fire hazards everywhere. There's one of these towers. There's so many different things. There's the National Institute of Health research study on utility workers. The National Institute of Health concluded that utility workers installing these cell towers were committing suicide because their circadian clocks were being so thrown off that they weren't producing dopamine or serotonin because they're around these cell towers, you know? Mm-hmm. There's so many different studies. But what happened in, in, in uh, Danville is I spoke, and then, and then after I spoke, a Verizon rep stood up and spoke and told the city that they did not want further unintended consequences by going up against 5G. You know, it's a, it's a vague threat, but what else can they do aside from sue, right? I mean, right. I mean, what legally can they do? I'm sure the telecom agencies, the telecom industry has more money than big pharma than than i mean and big pharma is a huge multi-billion dollar industry we're talking about crooks with pockets so deep that they can literally manipulate the information they created this word electromagnetic field and people don't have any understanding of it because it's invisible you go to china korea all over asia japan you know what they call it they don't say emf they call it radiation. That's it. <laughs> they call it radiation. And they do, they protect themselves from it. But that information has been kept from over here because of control through Google searches and whatnot. But when I went to China, I learned that, well, I was told that it's a law in China that every pregnant woman has to wear these silver maternity aprons to protect mm. their children. That's crazy. And it made sense once I started analyzing it because it's like a socialist, communist healthcare system. And they don't want autistic children coming into the system. It would strain and drain the system. Over here, capitalism, democracy, they're like, yeah, we want autistic people. I mean, they won't say it, but they do because it's a customer for life. Right. So it's completely different up there. And in Taiwan, they just 
made it illegal for any child under two to have a tablet or anything like that around oh. them. Hmm. So these two-year-olds that have like a tablet being radiated over here, this is illegal in Taiwan. I was, I was completely floored, and then I realized the awareness over there is just so much proliferated. The truth has, has proliferated so much in the West, I mean in the East, that it's common knowledge. But in the West, we don't know anything about it, so I'm hoping to bring this sparrow, this hope, and bring a consciousness shift to people that need the protection, that firstly need to know that they need the protection, and then give them an opportunity to protect themselves affordably. Right, and that's where sparrow clothing comes into effect, of course. We talked about that earlier. Uh, you know, the clothing that can help you or protect you from, of course, the, the, the mal effects or the ill effects from this 5G technology, which is obviously uh, very harmful. And, you know, I wanted to talk about that. I, there was one piece of um, information that uh, I, I, I took from that speech that you gave in Danville. And um, there was a part where you stated where it was, you were explaining that, with the implementation of the 5G technology, it would be the equivalent of us being exposed to a airport scanner 24 hours a day. I mean, I can't. Exactly. I couldn't. So, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, and I'm a guy that travels a lot. Uh, my my nine to five, I travel probably 25 weeks out of the year, so I'm constantly on the road and I'm constantly going through those things. I couldn't even imagine a person being constantly exposed to that. Yeah, it's it's staggering. But it's fact. It's this one millimeter size wave. And I, just give me a minute, and I want to make this information palpable for people. I kind of pride myself in this, especially with the chemtrails, but now 5G is keeping it simple. What they want to do with all of their EMF and different confusion tactics and propaganda machine on the Internet especially is make it so confusing that you don't know the truth, and then living in falsehoods, you're disempowered and you're victimized, essentially. But the truth is this. Everything that we work off of that's invisible, these invisible waves, smart technology, wireless, anything, all of it, every last bit is radio frequency waves, radio waves. So the radio waves have properties uh, based on their size. It's essentially light. It is light. It's just light that we can't see. Mm -hmm. So just like how we can't see infrared, it's right outside our color spectrum. We can right. see red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, violet, roid, uh, G-Biv. But just outside, based on the size of the light, just a little larger than orange, just a larger than red, is infrared. We can't see it, but it's all around us. So these radio waves are all around us, and based on their size, they have different characteristics. So radio waves range from 1,000 feet in size, meaning in wavelength, like from crest to crest of these mm -hmm. waves, to one millimeter in size, which is the width of a penny. So we've got this whole spectrum from one millimeter all the way to 1,000 feet. So a 1,000-foot wave is AM. So imagine that AM radio tower. It's actually emitting this bright light that shines all the way over to your house. You just can't see it, and you can tune in your AM radio to it. And it's a 1,000-foot wave that goes through people, goes through things, and doesn't really cause any harm unless you're, like, sitting right next to the radio wave antenna, which produces radiation. FM waves are 10 feet. Those 10 feet waves, they go through everything, and again, it's just like light shining, and it doesn't harm anything. Wi-Fi is about 30 centimeters. I looked this up recently. It modulates, but essentially it's 30 centimeters, mm -hmm. which is 300 millimeters, which is still big enough. And because it's big enough, it goes through walls, goes through people. It causes some 
non-ionizing radiation which can build up and cause harm, but it's not the end of the world compared to the 5G. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying 5G is the end of the world, but I'm saying it, it's going to be completely problematic for longevity of health. So this one millimeter size wave is the smallest you can get in the radio wave spectrum. This talk of 6G and 7G and all these different things, and even talk of propagating 5Gs from satellites, all of it is fake news. All of it is propaganda meant to confuse you. And if you're confused and live in falsehoods, you're not going to resonate with the truth and stick up, say, you know, be empowered by it. But it's just that simple. The one millimeter size wave is the 5G carrier wave. And because it's so small, it absorbs into everything it hits. So this was created as an active denial system in the military. It's called ADS, Active Denial System. It's easily found on Wikipedia, but a one millimeter size wave that absorbed and just hit right at the nerves in your skin was deployed in Iraq when we first went to the Middle East in wartime. And what it does is it creates a frequency fence and insurgents can't come into a certain area because their skin will burn because the one millimeter size wave is tuned to hit your nerves. Well, this telecom one millimeter size wave, it'll absorb right below our nerves. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to buy the 5G phone because it's cooking our faces off. But as accumulate radiation in us because it's being, it, it's hitting us. And it can't go through walls. It's actually primitive archaic technology for carrier waves of information because it can't even go 500 feet. Mm. So it's not being propagated by satellites if this wave can only go 500 feet. And it's there's no 6G or anything like that because it can't get any smaller or faster because the one millimeter size radio wave is as small as it gets. So the silver clothing, wherever there's hope, there's always a silver lining is my catchphrase, and awesome. the sparrow is the Latin word for hope. But the silver, silver is actually the most reflective element on Earth, and it reflects radio waves of all sizes. So I'm lining everything with this silver material, I thought I was going to reinvent the wheel and come up with this, but all of China is making it already. <laughs> they protect their children and their pregnant women and all this stuff with these with this material. So um, I don't know if I even answered your question, but I wanted to go on that little tangent just yeah, to no, describe no. it because it, it, people don't know. If you don't know, you can you can be subject to to you know you can get in harm's way. Yeah, and of course uh, there's oh a... wait, so really quick. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Will. Let me just finish the thought. So the airport body scanners, they, they, they blast you with a one millimeter size wave that absorbs and then can create this map for the TSA um, employees at the airport. And so they create this map of your body and they can see if you've got like a razor blade taped to your butt or something. So that technology is exactly like if you go through the airport scanner, mm-hmm. you can look on the side and it says one millimeter wave. It's the exact same tech the same. So yes, living in a 5G environment will be like living inside of one of those scanners. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, and just to talk about what some of these ill effects can cause from 5G technology. I mean, I've seen some videos, Matt, um, where I've seen hundreds of birds just dead on the floor, like like they were paralyzed. And it, it's affecting environmental, unmassive waves of just you know, birds, fish, I mean, the bees, I mean, you know, we start affecting the bees. I mean, a lot of people don't understand bees are a huge part of our ecosystem. You know, once we get rid of those, there's not much left, you know, and uh, again, this 5G technology is directly uh, influencing and, you know, uh, harming this, you know, 
this life, unfortunately. And uh, again, what can we do to fight against this, Matt? What what can a, a guy like myself or another person that's listening to this podcast, what can we do, you know, to kind of fight against this? So I've got a website. I've got a few websites, but one of them is Actual Activists, plural, with an S at the end, mm-hmm. actualactivists.com. And that's my baby. It's been my baby for about four years. And it's getting some significant traction. I got about a thousand unique visitors go there every single day. And the tabs at the top are chemtrails, vaccines, GMO, fluoride, and 5G. On the 5G tab, you can find some information and get some videos. And for instance, there's a Larkspur, California. When I went and spoke there, I spoke in that town a few times. Mm -hmm. But this video shows the vice mayor interrupting us and pleading with the city, with the attorneys, and saying that he had witnessed birds drop dead in San Rafael, California, during Mm -hmm. a 5G experiment. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people that want to put in ordinances to prevent it from neighborhoods. There's a website, mystreetmychoice.com. And if you don't want it in your neighborhood, you should be able to go to your city hall and talk about it. It's important for us to kind of just become activists, all of us, and to take the information with the truth in mind, you know, I mean, we're honoring the truth with integrity, which is, in my opinion, what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. But you take that information to your county or your city and get your board of representatives informed. The state of New Hampshire, they literally did what I've been saying. And I was, I was shocked, but it's literally what I've been saying every single time I speak is, sorry, you're not informed to make this decision, but you should get scientists involved that are informed enough to make this decision. Mm -hmm. Well, New Hampshire, they passed a bill through the House, House Bill 577. I don't have it in my head right now, but the bill, it literally hires all these people, radio frequency engineers and all these different specialists to analyze and address the environmental and health impacts of the evolving 5G technology. And they ask questions to the panel such as why are the radio frequency radiation limits in the United States 100 times lower than that of Italy, Switzerland, most of Eastern Europe, China, Russia. I mean, literally in China, the radio frequency radiation limits have been set. And by law, they keep it under that number. Our radiation level um, laws are 100 times higher than China's. That has to spark questions. We have to start asking, as this radiation accumulates, do we get leukemia? Is it going to disrupt the bees from navigating? Is it going to disrupt the birds? Is it going to cause total collapse of ecosystems? These are things that should be addressed before this technology is deployed literally on the lamppost out front of our house. Yeah, uh, it's a, an amazing subject. I mean, I mean, things that you, you talk about, especially on your website, you know, these are things that are affecting us on a daily basis, whether it be the 5G network, whether it be fluoride uh, in, in our water, uh, whether it be, you know, this uh, climate uh, control mechanism that they're using and climate change that uh, they're, they're, they're able to modify. And it's just amazing that, uh, you know, more people are not, you know, putting more attention to this, but I'm glad that there are people like yourselves uh, out there uh, that, you know, you've, you've done a tremendous job uh, for a guy, like you said, that came from nothing, came from no money, that this has become your, you know, your passion in your life. And listen, I think this is a great thing. Uh, and I'm going to continue to push 
this information out there as much as I possibly can because I think it's important, uh, especially for um, people myself at my age. I'm I'm 40 years old. I have two children. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not going to procreate anymore myself, but you know my children are going to be in this environment. And maybe they want to. You know what I mean? And I want I want them to be have the have the able to have that choice and to be able to do that obviously. And uh, you know with the the impending doom, of course, with uh, the government and, and and exposing us to these things it's just it, it makes things much more uh, difficult and, and, and dim uh, the future but of course what our job is to do is to get that that information out there Matt if you could tell everybody uh, all our listeners where they can find all of your information tell us all about all your websites uh, talk about Frankenskies too please tell us everything yeah happily and I want people to know that we're not helpless. Okay, they like to get us in a frequency of fear mm-hmm. and to keep us being empowered and inspired. But one thing we can do is learn, well, there's spraying aluminum in our air. How can I mitigate this? Well, you can mineralize. You can even get minerals that have plant-based aluminum in it, believe it or not. This is one of the elements that we can actually intake. And then when we're up to speed on our mineralization, we're not so mineral deficient. We're absorbing all these toxins from the environment. Mm-hmm. One quote, one stat I like to share is if you ingest sugar, for every molecule of sugar you ingest, it takes, oh, I'm forgetting now, oh, 54, 54 molecules of magnesium to process one molecule of sugar. So we're all deplenished in magnesium alone. And then our bodies want that so bad that we're uptaking it from the environment trying to get it, but instead we're absorbing radioactive strontium from the air or something like that. So learning about mineralization, learning about detoxing and chelation is, and, and health and eating well mm-hmm. is so important. Also fluoride. So fluoride comes from the aluminum industry. When aluminum is made, fluoride is a byproduct of that. So fluoride really wants to bond back to aluminum and get back to it's mom and dad, basically. So if we've got fluoride in our body from our tap water or whatever, and we think, oh, no big deal, that fluoride bonds to the aluminum, escorts it past our blood-brain barrier because fluoride can cross the blood-brain barrier and aluminum cannot, and then the two together create little explosions in our brain as chemical reactions go down as the fluoride and the aluminum mix and leading to dementia and whatnot. So just removing the fluoride from our life, mineralizing, detoxing, resonating with the truth and honoring it, we can be so empowered and inspired and and literally live so much happier and healthier. So it's a must. Please check me out on YouTube, Matt Landman, on Facebook, Matt Landman, L-A-N-D-M-A-N, actualactivist.com, frankenskiesthemovie.com, Sparrow, S-P-E-R-O, protective clothing.com or sparrowprotectionclothing.com or sparrowapparel.com. It all goes to the same place. And then, yeah, if you can show some support, I'm really looking for some love to get this next film together as soon as possible. I've launched a very slow crowdfund at gofundme.com but I'm really looking forward to that, getting that out as soon as possible and touring that along with Frankenskies 1 and my clothing line to start to bring the truth to the masses, you know, I feel like we're maybe a minority right now, but the truth is contagious, and it's, it's that time, it's that season, it's in the astrology, we're going to get there, so have the faith, and your voice is your weapon, and spread that truth, even if you don't know how, just try, you know, if, if you knit, knit for truth, 
right? Take your skill set. Take something you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be 5G or chemtrails. It can be fracking or how vaccines are toxic, mm-hmm. you know? Just explaining to people vaccine ingredients and, and, again, these different tools of empowering yourself with knowledge and truth and not just turning a blind eye, you know? By having the truth in your heart and soul, I feel like that it's our responsibility to share it with others. So thanks so much for having me on and for checking out my stuff. And, and I hope to come on again, Will. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely going to have to have you come back on. we got to talk about vaccines, vaccinations. we got to talk about the fluoride. really got to get into that. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. We'd love to have you back on. And please, check out all of uh, Matt's sites that he talked about, of course. Uh, Frankenskiesthemovie.com. You can also uh, go to the Sparrow Clothing Line uh, as well. Um, please, make sure you check out that stuff. This is really important things. These are things that affect you on an everyday basis. And so, like what Matt said, uh, you know, it... it we can create activists just by learning about this information. So learn about the information, try to do as much as you can in your community and support Matt and support the things that he's doing out there. Support the, uh, the GoFundMe. Uh, we've uh, supported many GoFundMes here at Dark Fringe Radio. We're going to do that for Frank and Skies too. So I'm just going to let you know ahead of time. So um, we're going to go ahead and do that. And uh, we do appreciate you coming on Dark Fringe Radio tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you and be in touch, please. All right, Dark Fringe Radio listeners, I want to thank uh, our guest again, Mr. Matt Landman, for coming on the podcast. Again, you can follow all of his information at frankenskiesthemovie.com. Of course, again, sparrowprotectionclothing.com and, of course, actualactivist.com. So make sure you go on those fronts and check out Frankenskies the Movie. I mean, the second one's going to be coming out here pretty soon. The first one's free on YouTube. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Just take the time to watch it. It'll really open your eyes. Uh, make sure you do that. So, again, Jay, uh, that brings us to the outro. And uh, our last segment for tonight, which is What to Watch, and this is a segment that Jay brings up uh, every week uh, at the end of the uh, podcast and kind of gives us a little nugget, a little a prize about uh, maybe something that he's watched, maybe in movies, TV, whatever the case may be, and his recommendation for this week. What do you have this week for Jay for What to Watch? I actually have two things I came across. They're very learned documentaries, but very interesting. The first one is called Facing Ali. Uh, it's a documentary about Muhammad Ali, but not, not so much about Muhammad Ali. Uh, it follows a path of fighters that he fought and what it was like for them to fight him and what it was like for them to prepare to fight him. Uh, you know, and it started with this old British guy that he fought back in like 1958 mm-hmm. uh, and all the way up to uh, Larry Holmes, who by the time he fought Larry Holmes, he was a shadow of himself and Larry Holmes was in a no-win situation. It's yeah. a great documentary, uh, very interesting. Uh, but the more important thing, if you're going to watch something, watch a documentary called Pariah, the Sonny Liston story. Mm, interesting. Now, that dude's story is a interesting, fucked up shit show. They said that he was involved with the mafia and the mob. Is that true, Jerry? The way the documentary points it out, yeah. Oh, really? It definitely looks like he was. Yeah, it definitely looks like he was in a with the mob. And that, they think, ultimately is what led to his his murder because the his last fight was against the Bayonne bleeder, Chuck Webner. Webner, yeah. And I guess Sonny was supposed to take a fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a couple punches in, and he opened Webner's face up, and it was considered a no contest. So the mafia lost a lot of money. And they don't like losing a lot of money, Jay. No, no, they do not. 
No, it's not, no they, it's not part of their business model, you know? No. No, yeah. If they lose money, then people lose fingers. Uh, but it was, it was very interesting to see his rise, his fall, what his background life was like, what the people talked about uh, when they talked about him, the way they described him, you know, and then the chron- chronicling the downfall, uh, ultimately to his, his untimely death. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's dark as hell, though. No, it seems very interesting, and uh, I um, it sounds like something I want to definitely check into. I mean, I I've never seen a documentary on uh, um on Sonny Liston, and I just know from what the rumors and just you know getting tidbits of information here and there. But uh, you know, I knew that there was some type of connection with him and the mob. I knew something like that had happened. It just a, a lot of things pointed towards that. Yes, that's awesome, man. Well, listen, thanks for uh giving those suggestions for this week for what to watch. Again, just want to remind everybody how you can follow the show. And uh, follow all our stuff. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just go to Dark Fringe Radio and make sure you follow us there and share all our stuff. And, of course, again, how do you listen to the podcast? Just go to our website, darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. And uh, just go ahead and uh, you know, switch and click on whatever uh, streaming service that uh, works for you. And uh, you go ahead and listen to over 69 episodes straight now of uh, Dark Fringe Radio. Nice. Yeah, over 100 hours of... Uh, conspiracy theories and you know paranormal and just crazy topics so uh, all for your listening pleasure all for free um, no nonetheless as well so make sure you check all that stuff out and uh, enjoy so uh, again uh, this week uh, I am Will Martinez for my co-host Jay Galosi anything for the outro Jay before we go be good people and be good to each other right yeah that's it simple and sweet there we go cool. all right Well, uh, thanks, Jay, for coming on this week for Dark Fringe Radio, and we'll catch everybody again next week.